So as you look at that, you'll see we're going to have three, three different topics that we're going to address today. Um, and the first one, our place, uh, we're thinking about this specific local church. And specifically, uh, what are we trying to accomplish in terms of uh, visions and goals? And uh, I'll lead that time together, and that's what we'll do here in just a minute. And then um, Hansley will come up, and he's going to help us think about, um, in light of the Bible's vision for what a church is, then what's the, what's the place that each one of us can hold? And in that, we'll th- specifically be thinking about spiritual gifts. And so, um, if collectively we're about a particular thing, then what's the role that we play individually? And then finally, in the last session, um, I'll come back up and we'll think about their place, um, specifically concern for other churches. So that's the direction that we're going to go this morning. The aim is to help each of us understand the gospel better um, and grasp more clearly what the local church is about and how we fit together and what the blessings are about uh, looking at and trying to serve um, other churches. When all those things sort of click into place, uh, then we find great progress um, in our faith. So that's what we'll be doing. And so for today, for this first session, um, let's think together about um, our place. And if you've got a Bible, turn to me to 1 Peter. Um, If you don't, There are, uh, by where the coffee is in the back, those blue Bibles, or there's ones under most of the seats. So you might grab one, and uh, let's look at uh, 1 Peter in just a moment. So we'll think together here about church vision. Um, as, As many of you know, right at, like within a few days of today, a year ago, uh, in uh, a members meeting, as the, the church family's been thinking about for several years what God has done among us and how the church has changed and developed over time and what uh, we see Him doing in terms of fruit in the body, what, what areas He's really blessing, how Tempe has been changing, and, and the opportunities that the Lord, therefore, is giving us. As we're thinking about all those things together, we determined right out a year ago that uh, we needed to update the church's um, vision document in order to more accurately reflect sort of who we've become. And so from that point in last October until uh, mid-summer, late summer of this year, Uh, Groups have been working together to do that, and so we've run a whole bunch of focus groups in which we've gotten people together and done different exercises to sort of help each other think about um, what scriptures stand out, what brought you here, what's kept you here, how are you serving and seeing God at work, and as we've collectively thought about all those things, then we've tried to articulate them down into a a document, and so in this first session, I want to share that document with you. Um, but before we, we, we read it, um, I think it's helpful to just ground it in, in some text. So 1 Peter chapter 1, if you look with me at verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His mercy, 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfaded, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice that now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. I love the way the gospel is described there in uh, verse 3 and 4 and 5. And it is uh, the gospel that creates Christians, and it's that same gospel that creates uh, a people. And uh, a people, namely all Christians everywhere, then live as a people somewhere, meaning a church somewhere. And so, 1 Peter chapter 1 does a marvelous job of articulating that gospel and um, how it applies to us. And then immediately, as we turn to chapter 2, the gospel then is seen in the way in which it changes and affects how we relate to each other, our, our behaviors in relationship to one another. And so the very first movement the gospel makes after we're right with God is then we're moved toward each other. And so 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, all things in relationship to how we interact with each other. Uh, verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is, uh, the, what, what is the people of God? That's one way the Bible talks about it. We are the building that God's making, uh, living stones put together in order to praise Him and offer sacrifices to God. And then jump to uh, verse 9, and then we'll go to the document in just a second. So who are we now, church? We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That we would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There is... Um, interconnected with the gospel message, the fruit of what God's doing, not only saving individuals, but then gathering us together, that together we could do things that we can't do alone. It's the immediate fruit of the gospel. And so today we just want to think about that uh, together and how that applies to this, to this specific uh, place. Um, if you would pull out the document, the insert that was in your pamphlet that says um, our vision. And so in this first, first session, we're just going to look at this together and 
then we'll have some discussion at tables um, about it. Um, we gave this out at um, the August members meeting. In the next members meeting, uh, in a few weeks, we'll spend some time there uh, discussing it. And then in the August, December members meeting, we'll be asking the church family to vote on whether or not to sort of codify this um, as the vision that we have together as a church. It's made up of three parts, you'll notice. Um, there is a, a preamble, and then there's the purpose, and then I couldn't think of another P word, so there's values. <laughs> it could have been priorities, I'm just realizing that. So preamble, purpose, um, and priorities. So I just say, um, as, as, as one of the elders, on behalf of the elders, I'm excited to kind of talk with you about this. This is the first setting where, as sort of a collective uh, time together, we're looking at it. Um, in the preamble, we're uh, uh, trying to say that uh, the purpose and values are good and helpful and important. Um, but we don't want them to be the thing that everybody's constantly thinking about and talking about, which is a little counterintuitive to what most businesses and churches do. Uh, we believe that the center of church life isn't a slogan, uh, but is Christ, and that the church isn't like Chick-fil-A, where we're we're trying to brand something and say, here's how we're different than every other restaurant. But instead, we'd want to say the most important things about Church on Mill are exactly the same things that are most important about any true church. And so we want to work in congruency with what God's doing other places as opposed to saying, here's how we're different. Uh, we just think that's not particularly healthy to try to say, here's Here's the reason this church is the best one in Tempe. We are the perfect snowflake, and uh, we got it figured out, and the others don't. That's what happens when we sort of treat each other as competition. And so in the preamble, we're, we're trying to say, we believe the purpose and values, and we're really, really, really committed to them, but our church's statement of faith is far more important than our slogan, and the commitment we make in our covenant together is far more important than uh, the things we put up as these are priorities for us. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's a very different way of thinking. Um, it's common today that business practices really drive churches, and we want to humbly say we, we think there's a better way of approaching that, and so we do want to state clearly here's what we're about. Um, but we don't want that to sort of off uh, shift the focus from Jesus and his work and how that's the same as in every church to um, here's our uniqueness and greatness. We just think that's a subtle move that isn't particularly helpful. Um, I wonder if somebody would be willing to stand up and read that preamble. Who's had enough coffee? and is brave and bold. Nolan, thank you. 
come on up. Nolan is going to come on up. What? Your, your shirt. Yes. In Tucson as it is in heaven. Yes. I don't think that's a thing. Oh, it is. Okay. Great. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah. All right. The preamble. In light of Jesus' parting words recorded in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, our vision is the same as that of every Christian church throughout time and around the world. As those redeemed by the death of Jesus Christ, we long to bring him glory. The primary way we do that is through our life together as a church, as this community of Christians demonstrates, uh, demonstrates Jesus' love through our love for one another. We gather to sing his praises, offer our prayers, hear his word, care for each other, and share Christ with unbelievers. In addition, we serve side by side to see each of us transformed into Christ-likeness. And the Lord Jesus worshiped as king both here in Tempe and to the ends of the earth. To aid with clarity and memorability, the essence of this vision is expressed below as our purpose and values. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Uh, so, thanks, Zach. Yeah, Nolan needs more clapping. Um, so, that's a, um, a biblical theology, if you will, uh, of what a church is in the scriptures. And so, we're just trying to put that at the very beginning um, and then say, okay, here's how we sort of sloganize that around here. But again, it's of lesser, lesser importance, and so we're just putting that um, up front. Then uh, we can move into the, the purpose, and um, I am particularly excited to talk with you about that. It says uh, that we are um, a church family uh, making disciples, And, plant, and helping churches for the worship and glory of God. All right. So our existing statement, many of you know, is glorifying God through lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to go on record in saying we still believe God changes lives through the gospel. Um, what we think is missing uh, from that statement in terms of the way in which over the last decade God has molded and shaped us as a congregation is um, the emphasis on whether it's the student who comes here as a sophomore, accepts Christ, spends the next three years growing up in Him, graduates, and is then sent across the country, and becomes a really thoughtful, committed, helpful member immediately of another church. Um, to the uh, person who joins our residency program gets trained to be a pastor, and then leaves to go help revitalize another church. 
and everything in between. That we've become a church really built in many ways around trying to bless other churches. Uh, because uh, A, that's what every church should do, and B, given our geographical location, we have particular opportunity there to be really good at that because most of us are on a conveyor belt moving through Tempe. We're, we're not here long-term to stay. And so, of course, it takes people who are choosing sacrificially to stay put. It also takes people who are going to go and serve and help other places. And so, this phrase, uh, helping churches, is the real addition to the document. Um, additionally, the other thing we feel like we missed in the first purpose statement um, is, this, is this first clause, a church family. Um, this is the first church that I have ever served as a lead pastor. I was sort of the number two person in, the, in my last church. And I think something I've learned is it's easy for churches to focus on doing rather than being. And the Bible doesn't order things that way. And I didn't catch that 11 years ago when we wrote that existing statement. Um, I was thinking mainly, what are we going to accomplish together? What do we want to ask God to do? And I think that was short-sighted in that the way, for, for example, the letters of Paul work is, here's who you are, and because that's who you are, here's what you do. And that was a miss. And so, um, I am, frankly, a very driven, go, 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 go kind of person, and uh, this has been a helpful reset for me, and um, I've become a better parent um, as I am been reminded um, it's human being, not human doing, and the doing flows out of the being. And so, we want to say that corporately. So those are really two changes. The rest of it is just saying it a slightly different way, but those are kind of two substantive things. Um, so if we think for a minute together here about this in these three clauses, in the first, in the first one, um, a church family, we are trying to uh, really state clearly that this is, this is a statement of, of identity And it's answering the question, who? So who is Church on Mill? Well, we're a, a church family. We are brothers and sisters. We are people that God has brought together by virtue of His Son, who have covenanted together to help each other stick with Jesus, mature in Him, however long we're here, be that six months or 60 years, that that's, that's who we are because of what Christ has done for us. And then the next clause, making disciples and helping churches, that's, that's the activity. Or if we put that in the form of question, that's the what. Because of who we are, what do we do? Well, the Scriptures seem clear that churches exist to make disciples and help churches. In the last session today, we're really going to focus in on that helping churches. But 
just to mention it here. Um, we don't want to be in competition with other churches or to see them as a threat. If the Lord was to be incredibly kind to another congregation on the opposite side of Tempe, and they experience more numerical and spiritual fruit than us, that shouldn't be a cause for grieving, but for rejoicing that God's working somewhere. That makes sense? Um, so we want to try to be thoughtful about helping, helping other churches. So making disciples and helping churches. And then the last clause is the aim, or to put that in the form of a question, why? Why would we as a church family work hard and sacrifice to make disciples and help churches? Um, it's because God is worthy of worship. There is no higher aspiration. There is no more superior being. We exist to make much of God, to honor Him, to lift Him up, to recognize Him. Uh, evangelism ultimately is about inviting people into the worship of God. And as more and more people worship God, then God receives more and more glory. He's seen more clearly. He's honored more as who He is. Uh, so, who, what, and why? A church family making disciples and helping churches for the worship and glory of God. Uh, before we talk about the values, anything in that statement that you'd want to ask about or um, offer additional comment about? Just throw up your hand, if so. That's either a good sign or a really bad sign. I'll take it as a good sign. All right, then let's go on together um, to the back of the document. Um, we've worked on a list of nine core values, which is simply a way of saying, here are things that we hold especially dear. These are things that we prize. Um, it's not, of course, everything we do uh, or believe or value, but it does reflect priorities and, and emphases. Um, so, why nine? That wasn't intentional. Um, as we listened to groups in the body, these are things that consistently stood out, um, and there could be 20, there could be two. We just ended up with nine. There's no biblical reason. Um, so number one, um, big, big God. Uh, our God is glorious in every way and rules over all as the sovereign king, so we seek to worship him passionately and submit to him completely every moment of every day. What's a dominant thing we'd want somebody to think about when they think about this church? Those are people who hold to what the Bible teaches about God, and they're enraptured by Him. They're caught up very much so individually and collectively with the marvel of a God who is what the Scriptures say He is. That would be wonderful to be known as a people like that. Um, number two, 
uh, clear gospel. The work, uh, we, we long to be known as a people who are unmistakably clear that the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's power to save sinners. We're really attempting there to say two things. Uh, we live in a time in which many, 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 many Christians, churches, people who claim to be Christians and churches are not clear on the gospel. It is being manipulated, morphed, changed constantly. So we want to hold to the biblical gospel. We want to be able to, and we want to be able to say it clearly. That's absolutely essential. If a church loses the gospel, they're no longer a church. That's the essential, unique message that the church has. So clear gospel. Uh, number three, word work. If you've been around a while, particularly if you're involved in some kind of um, volunteer area, then you've definitely heard that phrase. The word of God does the work of God. So we devote ourselves to hearing God speak through faithful preaching, teaching, and uh, discipling. Probably don't need to say more about that at all. Number four, um, meaningful membership. The local church makes the gospel visible as we gather to worship our risen Lord, practice the one another's, and help each other follow Jesus throughout the week. Since Christ is committed to us, we are committed to each other as fellow members of Christ's body. Uh, as I'm looking around the room and just thinking about all the ways that you live that out, uh, it's incredibly encouraging that this, is, this one, I don't think there's a sense in which it's aspirational. We're, we're really, by God's grace, living that uh, faithfully, and that's because of your generosity and your, uh, your servanthood and your sacrifice. Thank you. Um, number five, uh, heavenly, that would be a key word in this, heavenly diversity. Diversity is all the rage today. Um, we're talking about a diversity that is reflective of what heaven would look like, not the opposite. Uh, heaven will be populated by believers from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. Therefore, we yearn for this church family to be a diverse yet unified group of Christians who serve as a foretaste of what's to come. Not every church can easily do that because they're in a pretty monolithic kind of town. But uh, as you know, this is not that. This community is not that. And therefore, uh, we would want the church to be as diverse in every way that honors God uh, as possible because that has the effect then of showing people who visit and get to know us, uh, oh, what unites them is not their, their politics, their socioeconomic status, uh, the kind of level of work they do, the type of education they have, the color of their skin, but their gospel, their savior. Um, six, uh, conscious dependence. Please. Um, is there a difference between tongues and language? Say it again. Is there a difference between tongues and language? No. Sure. Um, multiple verses use that phrase. Um, and so we've included it to keep that biblical language. 
Every tribe, tongue, language, and nation, for example, is expressed twice in Revelation in that exact phrase. So that's why. They're, 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 it's similar to what, what was in the text I preached last Sunday. Um, mind, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Uh, there, is, there might be nuance in some small way, but really it's the emphasis of comprehensiveness. So we just kept the language for that reason. Uh, any other questions about what we've done so far? Thank you for jumping in. Okay, so conscious dependence through means of grace. Uh, if that language is, is new to you, there are things that God gives us that uh, as we practice them, they are vehicles through which God gives us growth and grace. The illustration I normally use is um, if you this morning before you came wanted to get a shower, you didn't go stand in your living room. Why? Unless you've got a really weird house, the shower, the spigot is not in the living room. Um, and so you stood in the, in the shower and the water came out and that water is the means of grace because then you're not stinky. Um, you, spiritual disciplines don't cause spiritual growth. They are the standing under the spigot where the grace of God comes out. That's really important. It's Jack. Would somebody have an answer for Jack? He asked, what's the difference between, between those two things? What's the distinction I'm making? Anybody familiar with this concept that could help Jack? It's okay to speak on my behalf. I'm giving you opportunity. So, for example, Bible study. If I focus on what I need to do with the road to read the Bible, and I am trusting that it's the actual act of reading the Bible that I need to do more, that's different than saying, I read the Bible because I want to speak to people. I seek grace from God. So, it's a vehicle to get there instead of the actual thing. Disciplines don't make me grow, uh, because if they did, then I wouldn't need God, and the religion would turn into works. Uh, they are means of grace, meaning what Mike just said. Uh, it may feel subtle to you, but it's an important shift to have in your mind. Um, and so we want to be people who are dependent on God, and we're aware that we're dependent on Him. In, in what way? Well, the statement says, through things such as bold prayer, patient suffering, consistent witnessing, mutual encouragement, sacrificial living, that through things like that, we intentionally rely on the Holy Spirit's help throughout life. We, we want to be aware of our, our neediness and that, yes, we do work, we do work hard in sanctification but doing so in such a way that we know God's the one who actually gives the growth, that the gospel produces the fruit. We don't. It's not just the activity. It's how God uses the activity. Um, historically, Christians uh, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have called that means of grace. 
And so we're trying to capture that language here. Almost done. Uh, two more. Uh, number eight. Uh, number seven. Uh, three more, I mean. Joyful. Shut up, Isabel. <laughs> Joyful obedience. I could hear you laughing at me all the way up here. As people redeemed by Jesus, we labor to be so formed by the gospel that we happily obey God in all things. We want to be people who show God's commandments are good and not burdensome and they're light and submitting to what He requires is wonderful. We don't want to be stodgy, uptight. We want to show that obeying Him, that what He says is good. It takes that to be persuasive in a place like this. That's really critical. We can't just say something's true. People don't care. We've got to also show it's good. And that's going to start in how we think about how we obey. Number eight, uh, strategic witness. Since God has providentially placed Church on Mill across the street from ASU, a university of worldwide influence, we especially seek to share Christ and our lives with American and international students in hopes of their new birth and lifelong ministry um, in Christ. We want to say if, if there's a reason for a church to be right here geographically, that's it. And we just want to put that at the front and center. That's not the only ministry and the only emphasis of the church, but it, it better be one. And it is, and we see God really doing lots of things in that regard. And then finally, number nine, um, glad sending. Uh, with spiritually unreached and undeserved communities abounding in Arizona, the United States, and around the world, we ask God to raise from among us pastors, missionaries, and church members to plant, revitalize, and strengthen churches elsewhere. We'll talk about that specifically in the last uh, session. So this, brothers and sisters, is um, what we're attempting to articulate here. Uh, this is what Church on Mill is about. What, what's our aim? Our, our aim is to make disciples and help churches. Why? Uh, for the worship and glory of God. Uh, we've got some questions that we'd love to have you discuss um, at, your, at your tables. And so, Gracie, uh, Josh, could you help Gracie? She's holding a baby. Um, if you go around and give those out at the tables, um, if in a moment I'll kind of turn you loose and you could spend um, maybe 10 minutes or so, somewhere around there, sort of discussing those and then praying, and then we'll take uh, then we'll take a break, and we'll start the next session at 10 a.m. As Josh is handing those out, um, any any questions or observations anybody has about what you've seen? Yes, brother. What's the difference between discipline and discipleship? And discipleship? Um, spiritual disciplines are uh, the how of discipleship. So I wouldn't I wouldn't make a a big distinction between those, would you? Yes, yes. So uh, we don't become disciples by virtue of our discipline, but then we need discipline uh, to grow up in Christ, and so uh, discipleship is simply. 
the process through which God's changing us as we work together. I think we're saying the same thing. Unless you're making a distinction, I'm not hearing. I'm not understanding. Sir? Anybody else? Yeah. Excellent. Um, thanks, for, thanks for asking. The foundational document of a church is the Bible. And then the way that you're expressing your understanding of what the Bible teaches is your statement of faith, and your, then your commitment to how you're going to live it is your statement of fellowship. Historically, churches have called those uh, confessions and covenants. And we would say that uh, Bible's most essential, and then in confession and in covenant, we're trying to articulate what we understand the Bible to actually be saying and requiring. And then we would put this as subservient to all of that, as less important functionally and practically. And this would be then, okay, if if that's the church's confession and its covenant, then how would you try to put that in a few words that you could communicate outside? What's this church about? They're probably not going to read all that stuff. Um, and what can be sort of shorthand language that we use among ourselves? Uh, so, the intention isn't it's adding anything, but it's boiling it down to more of its essence. Really helpful thing to ask. Thanks. Anything else, anybody? All right, would you take maybe 10 minutes, so aim from 9.45 to 9.55 to talk about those questions. Somebody in the, in the group just grab that document and lead a conversation, and then... When you done when you say amen then take about a 5 minute break okay go for it